Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and as always, you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, plus all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. And today on Gear 30, we've got another edition of Shop Talk, where we check in with one of our Blister-recommended shops to get their perspective on topics that range from universally applicable to topics that help us better understand what's going on in the particular local communities that each shop serves. And in this edition of Shop Talk, we are speaking with James Reddy, who is the director of the Escape Route, which has locations in both Squamish and Whistler. And also, I will just tell you up front right now, because I happen to live south of Canada, I sometimes in this episode call it the Escape Route, but I think James's preferred pronunciation is the Escape Route. So, James, <laughs> my apologies. You know, you say tomato, we sometimes say tomato down here. Uh, anyway, the website you can go to is escaperoute.ca, and you can learn a whole lot more about what they have going on there and their Alpine Demo Center and some of the things that we are going to dive into here in this conversation. And in addition to that, you're also going to get to hear James and me talk about important things like, you know, elephant snot. We also talk about some specific gear, including the Fritchie Tecton binding, uh, the new Dinafit boot that features the Hoji walk mode called the Radical Pro. We talk a bit about DPS skis, and then at the end of the episode, James offers some really useful comparisons between a number of different Avi packs, Avi bags that are on the market. So that is what we have on tap for you today, and so let's go ahead and get to my conversation with... James Reddy. Here we go. Well, James, how are you today and where are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm great today. And uh, where am I? I'm in the center of the universe, Squamish, BC. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of your riders and skiers probably know uh, we're kind of halfway between Vancouver and Whistler. Um, I lived in Whistler for about 16 years and I've lived here for the last 12 or something like that. Uh, so yeah, that's where I am. Okay. And you, you are not currently at escape route because you're, you're taking a couple days. You were away, you're back. You're just kind of, uh, we're all living in a land of let's maybe not immediately rush and go hang out in places, even though it's probably fine. And so you're, you're, you're chilling. Yeah. It sounds like you're yeah. chilling. Is that the proper description of this? Well, don't tell my staff that I'm working hard. <laughs> I'm working hard. I'm, he's yeah, he's working hard, everyone. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm out of the office uh, for, for about four days now. I just kind of, as you said, I did a little bit of traveling. It's just the right thing for me to do. Yeah. Um, I've got no concerns, but boy, I'd look dumb if I brought something back to my staff. I didn't even, like, I didn't even leave my country. I just went to a different province, you know? So it's like going to a different state and that was it. But yeah, I'm just being, being careful and hopefully smart. Well, We've certainly got a lot of interesting ground to cover today. I think maybe let's just start by telling us a bit about, about Escape Route. You've got a couple different locations. And so maybe let's just start there. Um, tell people what Escape Route is today. And then from there, we're probably going to talk about, you know, your history with Escape Route and, and the like. But bring us up to speed at, with the present. 
Sure. Kind of the Coles Notes version of things for you. We're, uh, we have three shops. We have two in Whistler and one here in Squamish. Whistler has our marketplace location, which is a regular backcountry shop. We don't do any alpine gear. We never have. We've always been an outdoor shop. So focused on climbing and skiing, ski touring, uh, or split boarding. You know, it's snowshoes, of course, is part of that. Um, and then paddle boarding and hiking and mountaineering in the summer. Uh, that's kind of been our gig all the way through. We have our second shop in Whistler is our demo center. So it's very, it's a very different location. It's um, focused on bringing people into the sports and helping, tr- helping. I mean, my world is as a specialty retailer, we, we educate as much as anything um, and we share experiences. And this Alpine demo center is built to do exactly that. So, uh, you know, explaining how the differences of different skis and different bindings and different boots, that kind of thing. So it's a really, I hate the term immersive, but it's very much that. Um, so it's a demo place. And then we do most of our retail out of the other location. And then in Squamish, we have another shop. Um, they're all about 2000 square feet or so. And uh, Squamish is, is a bit of a different vibe. You know, it's it, while we are still heavily influenced by the resort world, uh, Squamish is its own entity. It's kind of got three economic engines. It's got, we're a town of about 20,000 people. We live right on the coast, so we're right at sea level. Um, and uh, we have our own economic mass. And then we are a bedroom community for Whistler. And we're also a bedroom community for Vancouver. So it's a little bit more of a, it's less resort focused, but still heavily impacted, of course. So those are the three shops that we have. I want to ask about your own background with escape route because it's an interesting one and and a kind of a long one maybe tell us a little bit about when you first got to escape route and you kind of were off doing some other things and came back a little bit but it's pretty interesting and so share with us a little bit about your own story this is where your readers can go and get a coffee or something this is gonna be boring no <laughs> no <laughs> You're listening. no it's I'll, not I'll boring no, okay so yeah I, I i've been super fortunate i i came Back to, or not back, I came out west. I, I worked and skied in Switzerland for about four years before I came here. And then I came to Whistler, uh, was fortunate enough to get a job hired by the escape route. It had just started. And so I worked on the floor there. We had one shop. Um, and and I really enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, I, I was missing my kind of, uh, I don't know, I was missing more active days. I was missing more of the rescue type stuff. So that's when I got involved with patrol as well. So I left the escape route to work as a full-time patroller. And that was great. I really enjoyed it, but I was just getting married. We just built a house. I realized there's no way I'm going to live in Whistler and have a house on a patroller's wage. So I had recently left the escape route. I had an opportunity to work as a sales rep in the outdoor industry for a company called Sierra Designs. Uh, And that came to fruition for me. I got really lucky and I was able to get that job. Uh, I looked after kind of BC, Northwest Territories, the Yukon. And then I had a a particular interest in our tents and our sleeping bags. Uh, The company at the time sold tents, sleeping bags and garments. Um, So I started doing our hard goods, tents and sleeping bags for Canada with all of the other reps and and really enjoyed that. Um, So that kind of got me into seeing many different retail operations uh, and working in the industry, which was great. Um, Canada had a little upstart company at that time uh, called Arcteryx, and they <laughs> needed some help. Uh, so I ended up working with them 
uh, as their sales manager for North America. So that moved me out of our Canadian pool and into the big wide pool of the U.S. retail as well. And again, another eye opener because retail in the States is different than retail in Canada, just the volume. Uh, so I got to see a lot of really cool shops um, from mom pop type smaller operations to, you know, to working with REIs and, and backcountry.com. Um, so that was very valuable for me. And then um, through incredible family planning, we had two kids and then we had surprise twins. We <laughs> went from two to four kids. There's just no way that I could do the traveling that was necessary for that job and stay married. So made the right choice and ended up leaving Arcteryx and came back to the escape route. So I bought, there was two owners at the time. So I bought one of the owners out and was working back for the escape route, which was, which was great. Uh, it was nice to take the knowledge and the things that I had seen around the continent and be able to bring them back to our shop. So uh, together, Jason and I, you know, continued to build that store. Um, it was interesting. We ended up getting to a sort of a glass ceiling uh, existed and I had a lot of great staff members and I realized that I was the ceiling, that they weren't going to climb any higher. Our business wasn't going to grow unless I made some sort of a change. And at the time, it seemed to be the right thing to do. I was able to leave the escape route in the hands of some very solid employees four days a week. Uh, and I worked for a company called ROI. So we were importing uh, products for retailers, mostly in Canada. We did Hester gloves. We and they still exist. ROI still continues on underneath Rob McCurdy's direction, and they're doing great. But so Hester gloves and um, movement skis, Coltex skins, different things like that. Some of which we did in the U.S. as well. So it then got me back to the U.S. world. Uh, so did that for a while, and then when the Olympics came around, I needed to come back to the store to basically protect our store from the Olympics. Uh, hmm. You know, you talk to different retailers who have had Olympic experiences, and it's it's a weird whirlwind to step into for a while. How, so how so? Well, you know, the Olympics. The um, when the IOC comes to town, it's like, hey, Jonathan, we're going to have a party at your place. You good with that? And you say, oh, that sounds awesome. Okay, great. I need you to put a pool in the backyard, change this room, huh. cut that part of your house off, huh. and can you have this done next week? Great. Um, so the downside of that it was that the Olymp like the medals were awarded uh, 300 feet behind our shop, but between my door and about 50 feet off of my door was a big chain link fence with perimeter and all the rest of it and the only way you got to the inside was by going around my shop and we, you know we kind of didn't exist unless you paid the money to be part of the ioc circus hmm. so it was a bit damaging uh, to many retailers in whistler at that time and we knew that it was going to be challenging i see there were certainly benefits and i don't you know i i love the concept of the olympics i am challenged with some of the things i see with the ioc but um the yeah, is Whistler better for it because of the Olympics? I think the Olympics was very positive overall for our corridor. So I don't want to I don't want to say anything negative in that front. But I came back to the escape route because we needed to have all hands on deck to deal with what was going on. So it got me back to the corridor again. And uh, then you know uh, my partner at the time, Jason and I, you know we continued on and we're growing and our paths just diverged. Uh, it was awesome. We were able to 
to wind down a 50-50 partnership in a pretty amicable way. We're still friends, which is great. Um, so then I continued on with the escape route from there. So that that's the story. Let's see how good your history is. When did each of the three shops come to be? Ooh, okay. Well, the first one's pretty easy. Uh, first one's about 1990, uh, and that was out of Whistler. Um, then we started the next one. <laughs> well, we had a couple in between. Again, you know, we're not everything we do is that good. We kind of had a couple of starts and stops out of Whistler. So we had a couple other little shops. But then 2011, so right after the Olympics, we started up another one. Uh, so that was our Squamish store. And then our Alpine Demo Center is about five years old now. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Say a word more about the Demo Center in particular, the Alpine Demo Center. You started this five years ago. That particular location, yes. Yeah. And just say a bit more about that. Sure. It's I, I really enjoy it. That's probably the thing that I enjoy the most about our industry is when you can share those experiences and get people involved with it. And, you know, like when I was growing up, I was a raft guide in the summertime, ski patrol in the winter, and then I sold suits for a men's clothing store in Ottawa from uh, like uh, October through to January. And Ottawa is our main government town, right? So you sell a suit to some guy and it's like, what do you say to him? Geez, Hank, nice new blue suit. That was it. That was That's the involvement, the engagement you have. That's about it. Whereas... When I came back from Switzerland to Whistler and got involved with the escape route, we, you show someone a pair of hiking boots and you get them into this hiking boot and they actually go and they go for a little bit of a hike. Well, maybe they've never done that in the past. And maybe they hike over that ridge and they see all these trees and they see this awesome wilderness and they kind of like, wow, this is amazing. Maybe I should do something more to protect this or, or something else. You can have, you can have serious ramifications on someone's life by getting them into the right gear. And I don't want to over, you know, we're, we're, I'm not mother Teresa, you know, there's nothing like that, but you know, you can, you can make a big difference for someone by getting them the right gear. So the Alpine demo center is, was very much about that. And actually like I built a shaper's table for the Alpine demo center and it's kind of an elevated uh, box with a grid pattern on top and it's lit from underneath. And the reason I did that is a trip, I was in Hawaii and uh, I walked into the, this surf shop and there was this guy in the back. He was about a thousand years old by the looks of him, all wrinkled and sun baked. And he was scraping away on this board and I, I'm sure he was stoned. And he was like, wow, man, look at this. This is going to be so awesome. And he, and he told me about the shape of the board and why he made it to be what it was. So he really, he was sharing with me and he was bringing me into that sport. Back to our world. People talk of skiing and out of Whistler. Whistler's an awesome resort. We get so many people from all over the world. Uh, well, in normal days, not this year. Uh, but uh, you get people up there and they're talking about skiing. And, and you realize in the conversation, they don't understand what a camber is on a ski. They don't understand the tip, waist tip tail. They don't understand turning radius, any of that. So instead of, and some, I've, I've also had negative experiences in shops where it's like, hey, I'm too cool for school, man. You don't know what this is? Come on. That sucks. That's This kills our industry. So I, my guys will never be that way. My crew is not going to be like that. And um, this Alpine Demo Center was very much to bring people in. And that shaper's table was to help explain how a ski behaves and why it does what it does. And the fact that I love a particular ski doesn't mean that you 
who have the same capabilities as me, you ski the same area, you ski the same type of terrain, it doesn't mean that you're going to like it. Because skiing is so, I don't want to use the word emotional, but it's so particular and personal. So um, it, it's fun. The Alpine Demo Center is really cool. Um, and we've had a lot of support from different brands in doing this because they want us to to be that uh, conduit to to get their product in front of a customer and to... You know, of course, we're a sales organization, so we live and die by our sales. I understand that. But uh, as I often say, it's our reputation that that is really the only thing that's of any value. Um, and we blow it every day and then. I mean, you know, I can't say that every customer who's ever come through our doors thought we're, you know, the cat's ass. But, you know, we do the best job that we can. And South Point Demo Center is one of those ways of getting people into the sports that we love. And basically, I take it, given the name of the center, it is what you'd think it is, which is if I roll in, I'm going to have the option to actually go get on a bunch of different products. And maybe you could describe the range a little bit of like what I could walk in and actually demo, what product categories I could demo. Well, sure. Uh, in the winter time, um, we have about 60 pairs or 70 pairs of DPS skis. So the you know, the range of the skis with different bindings on as many of them as we can. One of the challenges, and as I said, we are a, we're a, a backcountry touring shop. We are not an Alpine ski shop. Yep. And the Alpine world has got it figured out. Most of their bindings are proper demo bindings. So you can adjust a size 26 boot or a 28 boot and keep the person in the right spot in the ski. That's a lot more challenging when you're talking of touring gear. Yep. So we do have some of our product is on Alpine binding so we can, can put the person in the right spot on that ski. We've modified some other touring bindings so that we can do the same thing, uh, adjust to the ski to be in the right spot. In some cases, you just can't do that. The toe is fixed. You adjust from the heel and the person just has to understand, yeah, you know, you're a little bit behind center or a little bit ahead of center. The ski will behave differently when we put your binding, your ski on it. So we have different bindings, tech, as well as frames. Um, we have uh, Atomic and BD skis in there, Dinafit skis in there. Um, we have the, in the boot side of things, you can't demo a boot. It doesn't work, guys. Like, yeah, it's just not, you really, when you put someone's foot in it to get the right shape, you're, you oftentimes are heating or you're doing something with a boot. So when people say, oh, do you demo boots? It's like, eh, I, I hate calling it a demo. Yes, we have boots you can use. So we'll have, um, we have the Hoji boots in there. We have the Scarpa Mistralis in there. Uh, can't remember what else. So that's kind of in the winter. And then in splitboard gear, we, you know, with split, we used to do it. It's kind of funny. We got into the splitboard world and we used to do splitboard stuff when it was so hard to do. Yep. And then we kind of moved away from the splitboard world um, not for any particular reason, but just it happened. Um, and the last few years, we've been coming back to it. And it's really because of the evolution of that gear. I'm, I, I'm not as, I mean, yeah, I snowboarded for a bunch of years in Switzerland and I, ha I have splitboarded, but I'm not a, I'm a skier. I'm not a splitboarder. Um, I've got staff who are, you know, tried and true splitboarders. But so inside our place, we've got, uh, you know, arbor boards. We've got the Karakoram bindings. We've got some spark bindings. Um, uh, Justin Lamaru has a spline company. So we've got some of the spline boards up there. So um, 
that gear. We've got snowshoes, of course. We do have all the avalanche gear that people need, shovels, transceiver probes. We do have avalanche packs. So um, we are a strong component of the safety side of our industry. We are the first retailer actually in Canada to have an ABS or an airbag. And <laughs> again, one of those kind of pseudo failures. We had it way back. We probably had it for three years. We'd take it out. We'd put it on the shelf. We were all excited about it. It was probably a $1,600 pack 15 years ago. And then no one would buy it. We'd dust it off. We'd put it away. And we'd bring it out again next year. We were so excited. And we wouldn't sell it. So it went like that for a long time until Pierre-Yves, who was uh, Snow Pulse Packs, uh, he really kind of, ABS, the, and, you know, the Ash Hours, they did a pretty good job with what they had going on. But really, I think it was when Pierre-Yves came out with his pack that it really pushed that forwards. And then we started selling a lot of them. And then we saw the electrics work and come along and the Arc'teryx Voltaire and the, the BD bags. Um, and then now the E3 systems, uh, the, the Alp-Rides. So we do, we do demo those packs as well. And then in the summertime, it's camping gear. Uh, we do a lot of paddle boards out of there. Again, we don't rent hiking boots because that's a, a recipe for blisters. We uh, rooftop tents, you know, we've done that past. Uh, we did e-bikes for a couple of years because I saw what was going on in Cortina. So awesome. E-bikes have become a bit of a challenge for us. So we probably won't continue with that. But yeah, so that's what you do at our place. Mm -hmm. um, you get out in the backcountry as much as you can, however you want. I'd love to hear you say a little bit more. I mean, just your own perspective but just a little bit more about maybe, I don't know, kind of the ski scene or ski culture of Squamish versus Whistler. Just if people have never been, and I've never been to Squamish, uh, which is something I would love to change. But to give just people a bit of a sense of what are folks doing as a generalization, right, in the two areas, or if you see them as very similar or fairly distinct kind of ski culture communities. Well... Interesting question. Um, the Sea to Sky Corridor is how most of us look at the place we live in. And that covers from Vancouver up to Pemberton. So that's uh, 60 miles or 70 miles or something like that. Um, and Squamish is right on the coast. Whistler is in between the two. And Pemberton is kind of at the other end of it. Um, so we look at it as kind of fairly homogeneous. But... If you slice it up a little bit, yes, there are differences. Squamish has, I mean, we have, I, I got to be careful how I say this. We, we have such a multitude of opportunities here, of competing opportunities. Like today, whatever today is, March 9th, you know, <laughs> it's uh, nine degrees outside, nine Celsius. So I don't know, whatever that is for you guys, 50-ish or maybe, or 45, 48. It's sunny. There will be people climbing. There'll be a ton of people biking today, like I've seen lots of them out already. Um, and then there'll be people driving up to go touring, uh, to go ski touring. And we had we had a meter of snow last week um, up in the Alpine. I mean, it was cement. It was kind of gross. It was really heavy and, and wind blasted. We like elephant snot. We get a lot of that. Um, Wait, elephant but, snot? Yeah, that's, yeah. We spend a <laughs> yeah. lot of time trying to describe different types of snow. And I have to say, I think this is the first time I've ever heard of elephant snot. So please <laughs> say a bit yeah. more. This might go into our glossary. Yeah, <laughs> elephant snot. Jeez, I don't know. Elephant snot sticks to anything, um, which is kind of good. It bonds fairly quickly. It's kind of heavy. So it's got a bit of a, a, bit of a load on the snowpack. Um, you need to have strong, supple knees to ski this crap uh, and fairly wide skis um 
and it can be a ton of fun. And then it gets nice cold, clear nights and it dries out and then it turns into some pretty nice snow. This might be yeah. what we will often call like cake batter or cream mm-hmm. cheese. Sure. Yeah, but I can I, see that. But I'm like an elephant snot. Yeah. It's, pre- it's pretty uh, visual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Okay. So you had so, a meter, a meter of elephant snot fell, I think is where we were. <laughs> okay. So, so there's a lot of opportunities for athletes time in Squamish. Like there's a lot of competing opportunities for this athlete's time. So the difference of Squamish and Whistler is if you're in Whistler for the winter, you're doing a ton of skiing and it's awesome. And that's great. If you happen to live in Squamish, sure. I'm going to get a lot of skiing in. I, out of Squamish, you've got to get through the rainforest. So you got to kind of make your way up through the trees somehow. That's either done. You drive high in your truck and then you make your way through. Or you might have a sled. So you might, you know, skip up some logging roads. Uh, and then you get into the Alpine. And that's great. Our gondola here has gone through two ridiculous asinine bouts of, of, of vandalism. So we had our actual cable cut twice, which is insane. Um and no one really understands why. But when that's working, that's awesome because that gets you right up to the Alpine from sea, from the ocean to the Alpine in, you know, 11 minutes. Um, so the athlete here, the skier here in Squamish, um, they are pretty committed to their craft because um, it's a little bit harder to get into the Alpine if they're just staying here. Um, but they have a lot of other things going on. So they're probably, I don't want to say one's a better skier than the other, because at Whistler, you have people who are so dedicated to skiing that they're awesome. They get so much time on skis. But you also have a lot more beginners out of Squamish because it's easy to go touring. You, the lift access is incredible, um, either up Whistler or Blackcomb. Uh, it gets you right up to the Alpine. And if you go to the Whistler side, you know, there's always a friendly banter between the two mountains i've patrolled for whistler for 26 years now um when i started we were two separate entities um and then they got bought out and interwest owned them and now vale owns them so the the two mountains the culture is is similar enough between the two mountains but the terrain that you can access is different on both places which is really cool so whistler is a little bit more there's a lot of easier beginner type touring that can be done there but there's some awesome, steep, good skiing in Whistler. If you go to the Blackcomb side, it's a little more alpine feel. Um, so it's a little bit intimidating. If you're new to touring, you might be a little bit more intimidated on the Blackcomb side. Uh, I'm not saying the Blackcomb is better than Whistler because I can't say that kind of Whistler guy. Um, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just a different feel. So the, the differences of the skier out of Whistler and Squamish, I think you have a lot more beginners in the scene up in Whistler as well as a lot of really good skiers, um, you know, because that's their full forte. In Squamish, I mean, hell, most of the Squamish skiers, they're professionals in their own way. You know, a lot of athletes live here. A lot of great photographers live here. Um, and then going north of us, us meaning both Western Squamish, you get to Pemberton and the Duffy. And touring up in the Duffy is really good too. It's awesome because you're driving up high. It's a lot more like, you know, what I've experienced in touring in Colorado where you're kind of driving up to a spot to park your vehicle and then you tour right from there, continuing to climb, but you tour from there. So uh, that's what the Duffy is. And it's drier than here typically. So Less elephant snot. Way less elephant snot. Okay, got it. (laughs) You're currently still patrolling at Whistler. Is that right? Yeah, and on a volunteer basis now. I yeah. used to be, you know, I did it for two years, you know, Monday to Friday or nine to five or 
whatever those days were. Uh, and yeah, and I still do it as a volley now. I do it you know, a day or two a week and I love it. It yep. just gets me out with my, my buddies and yeah, it's great. And this actually, this is kind of going to lead us into something that you and I were talking about that I was like, I kind of want to talk about this in this Gear 30 conversation, but you were saying that you are spending most of your days or perhaps all of your days in the Fritchy Tecton binding. Do I have that right? Yeah. Um, it's what I consider my work binding. If I'm going touring, then I've got a set of Dinafit Superlights, um, you know, which is awesome. It's on my on a different setup. But yeah, if I'm working, it's a, I want the security of that binding um, and the performance of that binding. So yeah, that would be the Tecton yeah. for that use. Yeah. And I, I was saying to you that I think that Tecton is arguably a product that maybe we haven't talked enough about on Blister. And you were, when I had asked you, you know, one of the things I always love doing in these shop talk conversations is, you know, asking like, are there some products that you folks at the shop are just super high on? And the related question of what is hot, frankly, like what is popular among just your clientele that they are really gravitating toward if that's a different answer than what you at the shop are particularly into. And you mentioned the Fritchie Tecton and then you're like, yeah, it's kind of my work binding as well. And so I, I thought that would be fun, you know, to have you talk a bit about that. And um, like I said, I think that you could make the argument that we have maybe not talked about that binding as much as we arguably should have on blisters. So I, I should just get the clarification. It's not just that you personally are a fan of that binding. You guys are, it's either the staff really likes it or you're selling a good number of them. What's the, clarify that for us. Okay. So yeah, with the Tecton, yes, I like it. Yes. I use it a lot. Um, our staff also, uh, quite a few of them have used that and do use that binding. Yeah, it's a popular binding for us for sure. And I think it's also consumer driven because many people coming into the touring world now are considering themselves to be, yeah, I ski half the time in the resort and half the time in the backcountry. Or that's what their aspirational goal is. And it may end up being 80% in resort and 20% touring. Yep. But, uh, and for that reason, that binding again makes a lot of sense. Um, and I guess, so the reason I like that binding is, I, I mean, I have a lot of trust in the company. Um, the Fritchie guys, I've known them for a long time. I used to import their product a number of years ago with another, and another life of mine. Um, so I've gotten to know them and I understand their real focus on safety. Um, and I'll, I'll, I don't want to say to a detriment, but their, their company has suffered because of that focus to safety. They were not in the market at, they weren't crushing the market the way they could have or they weren't pursuing the market the way they could have because they didn't feel they had the right binding for it so they stayed out of the game for a little while and then they figured out then they got to where they wanted to go so the the fritchy um tecton the reason i like it is you have the elasticity out of a toe and most tech bindings don't have that you have no minimal the different companies will say different things but the reality is your toe is held tight up front so you don't have that ability to suck up the bumps, suck up impacts that you might uh, get un unexpectedly, or if you land off some bit of a jump, then, you know, the, just the, the elasticity, both toe and heel is super important in a binding. 
And the toe definitely has it on that tecton. Um, staying kind of in that forward part of the binding, your guys, your, your listeners who are familiar enough with the binding will understand there's a wing that flips down and that's what gives you that release. It is an adjustable release. So it's a DIN-like release. Um, the, the Alpine world is very focused on the DIN side of it. The touring world, they understand that with different boots that are out there, you can't have an industrialized norm because the boots are all different. And they, so you can have a safe binding. And that's what the goal is, is to make a safe binding. So with this, you can adjust that release forward um, so that not only is the elasticity tightened up as you crank that binding and make it a little bit stiffer, maybe you go from a seven to a 10, um, you also, the way the wing flips out, uh, you adjust that. So that is that safety side of things. The other bonus of that toe, having that adjustment in the way that release capability exists is that when you are touring, if you have an unfortunate fall, you're carrying a heavy pack, maybe you're doing a tough switchback, you're, you know, you're doing a kick turn and you fall and you tumble and it's kind of steep, you may want that binding to release. That's a possibility. Um, or if you get slid by something, if you're touring up and a little bit of a slide comes down and smokes you in the knees, if, if releases, it might save you from a knee injury or it's a big avalanche, it may save you from having an anchor on your foot. So that toe release is really important for the uphill as well as the downhill. And then as you move more to the heel of the binding, that's where I think this thing really shines because it has, like the uh, kingpin did uh, or does, um, but they were the first guys to really give you that vertical elasticity in the heel. That's great. Because if you go to a standard tech binding where you've got a pin insert and you've got kind of that inverted triangle in your heel, when you force those pins wide, that's how you release over the handlebars. When you force that wide, you get to the point of no return where the pins cam over the shoulder of the triangle and then there's no way but out. You know, you're just, you're out of that binding. Whereas with this tecton, you have that vertical elasticity, you stuff the tips into a ditch or something like that or a big mogul and you kind of rise up in the back, it will suck you back down. So I think it's nine millimeters or something. I can't remember what it is, but um, nine millimeters of elasticity in that heel, which is really nice. So that makes it... Uh, a more comfortable feeling binding as well. And what I really like is the way that that clasp on the heel, it comes onto the heel of the boot, but where the pins would normally live in your tech boot, there are two ribs that go into there. So that gives you a lateral stability in the heel that isn't available in a lot of other bindings. Um, so you're held from the top and you're held laterally. Where your heel is stepping onto that binding you have a stack height of 28 millimeters. So you're above the ski for sure. Uh, I'm old enough that I remember when we used to take cutting boards and slice them up and put them underneath our binding. So we had more leverage. And then we came to getting lower and lower and lower onto the ski and people wanting to be on the ski. I won't say one's right, one's wrong. I don't care as long as you have fun skiing. That's what counts. But that what you are standing on is a wide platform now where in the past you would just have the pins in there now you've got full power transfer. So when you leverage, you use the, your boot to get onto edge on that binding, which is connected to the ski, you have full power transfer there. So I love that. that I think that binding is a great binding. It, it skis extremely well. Um, it tours just fine. 
Is it a better touring binding than some other things? Some will say so. I like it. I tour in it. Um, it's it's not overly light, 680 grams with a break. Um, they measured at 550 without. I don't know why they did that, but 680 with. And so it's a it's a reasonably lightweight binding. I mean, if you compare it to a shift, which is 880, um, it's it's still significantly lighter. Um, and it skis great. So, uh, yeah, so that's been a binding that has been strong for for our crowd and for our our location. There is no question that there has never been previously a better time to be alive if you are a backcountry skier in terms of the range of options you have when it comes to, I mean, boots or bindings or skis or oh, yeah. avi bags. I mean, it's, but just, just um, you know, as we've been, talking about this tecton like if you want to go ultra ultra light you got a range of interesting options on that end you want to go burlier and burlier you've never had more options than you do today and uh it's pretty cool and and i mean we ain't done you know like we're we're gonna continue to see certainly evolutions i don't know how many revolutions we'll see but but evolutions for sure and um pretty good well you know evolution you look at the new radical that's coming out um the radical pro from dina fit it, it's it is it's an evolution it's great because the last free ride or the last uh, pro tour was a great boot uh everything that eric creator what dina fit did with that heel and the way it could lock you in for t- skiing but was really easy to get into touring and then the freedom that it gave you with touring exists that hasn't changed but they did modify the fit of this boot a little bit so the instep's a little nicer it's going to fit people a little bit better okay we i gotta i gotta stop you because i feel like we slid too we slid a little too casually into this topic change so did we all right so james just took us from (laughs) bindings to we're talking about a new hoji boot which is kind of a big deal Right. So that's what we're doing here in case you were, uh, you know, in case you haven't had your second cup of coffee for the day or something. So what James just transitioned us into was a talk of the new Dinafit Radical Pro boot. Yeah. Roger. And this just kind of got released. And so I wouldn't mind if to have you, this is effectively a kind of, I guess we'd say a third iteration of a quote-unquote hoji boot yeah sure we can say that yeah okay Mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing here people and i will shut up again and you know give you back the mic new boot boom what did we say beep 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 new boot everybody (laughs) okay so this boot the radical pro as you mentioned is the kind of that third iteration of the hoji series the first tour boot had that blunt nose on it uh, which i love from a touring perspective but was really limiting there was a lot of bindings that you couldn't use it in so that's been changed. They've added a proper lip to that boot again. So now it can be used in many, many more bindings, which is great. They also changed the fit of the boot a little bit. So over the instep, that's a little bit opened up. The throat of that boot's a little bit opened up. It's going to be easier for us to fit that for sure. Um, the, the Hoji Free is more of i i won't use the term a race fit but is a a much more precise or tighter fit the radical pro is a 103 underfoot so a reasonably wide 
in that forefoot. Uh, lots of wiggle room for your toes, which from a touring perspective is super crucial. You know, if you've got that real race fit boot and you're freezing your toes off when you're alpine skiing, you can probably come in and warm up. If you're touring, you don't have that option. So you need something that's got that wiggle room so you can keep that blood flow happening. Uh, so it's 103 underfoot, a little bit more opened up through the instep, which is nice. Than the uh, free, just to be clear, a little more opened it up than the free. Yes, but also a little more opened up than the existing tour. So okay. they've changed the last a little bit. They've changed the, the fit of that boot. Uh, so this is, I'll just keep this on track now and try to compare the, the tour boots. Okay, so that's what we're comparing this to. So they've changed that. They also changed the tongue, uh, which is nice because this is making this boot a little bit more performance oriented. The last tongue had uh, kind of a cloth in between in the tongue so that you had a really nice flex uh, and you also had snow protection, of course. Um, but it didn't give you the, the meat that you expect that you want from a strong skiing boot. So this new tongue, they've changed that boot or they changed the tongue in the boot. No longer is it... Uh, this cloth separated tongue. It's a one piece plastic with a hinge down towards the bottom of it. So it still flexes easily. But when you buckle it in, when you curve that tongue, buckle it into the boot, it gives you more support. So it's a stronger skiing boot than the old uh, Tour was. Yet it still has a very Tour friendly fit. Uh, it will fit more people than the last one did, I believe. Uh, and I think, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm, we There are I know 10 or 11 stores in North America getting this boot now. So they, they'll be seeing that next week in some of these shops. Um, but it's a new boot for next year. So, yeah, exciting. So that, that's the Hoji series, which has been a super boot for us. Tell me about another product that either the Escape Route staff particularly digs or you're just seeing that it's really popular with the Escape Route clientele. I, I, I'll probably try to squeeze two things in here if I can on you. Um, one that we get a lot of uh, demand for from our clients and has been a really super fun product for us is the DPS line. Um, you guys have probably covered DPS at the yin yang. So I don't kind of don't want to take too much time on that. But I mean, that whaler, the, when the 112 came out, that was a ski that really... Um, they did a great job with that. We actually sold DB skis, so Drake Bonnet skis. Huh. So before the uh, DPSs. <laughs> that's, that's old school. So yeah. That's, totally. Yeah, that's I some, know. Yeah. Uh, um, but then, you know, when Stefan and guys got this, the DPS line going, that 112 was a great ski. They had their, their teething problems, of course, with top sheets that were really nasty for a little while. Um, but the ski was awesome and, and continues to be awesome. It's grown through many iterations. But the new 112 RP is something that I, our staff and our customers all seem to love. The 112 for us is great because of that elephant snot we described. Um, but to have a good base underfoot, nice shoulders on the ski that gives you lots of float, but isn't really pronounced like an old school ski that was really sticking up at the front. For us in our heavier snowpack, where you get those ridges of snow from time to time, as you ski, as you're skiing along at 11 o'clock in the morning and it's been cut up, you've got these ridges, you impact, your ski impacts into those ridges and that starts the nasty chain of vibration that can happen. Whereas many of these newer, well, it's not newer anymore, but many of these, you know, drop tipped skis, um, they'll torpedo through that stuff in a much 
cleaner fashion, but you need to have a wide shoulder to give you the float. So DPS did that with their paddle tech of the, of the past 112s. Um, so that's been a really strong ski for us. And then this year they introduced the Pagoda Tours, as you probably are aware of. Um, and we sold a lot of the old tour ski, which was a cap construction. The 99 was, is, I, I haven't sold mine yet. It's still in my basement. I love it. Uh, but it's, it's a great ski, but it was a cap ski. So all of the uh, shortcomings of a cap ski, they existed. Um, I, I'm a more of a fan of that traditional sort of a construction. I think it's a stronger ski. And if you're investing that kind of dollars, because DPSs are not inexpensive skis. Yeah. You know? um, so you want something that's going to perform and last. So the new Pagoda series, they've done a great job with that because they were able to use vertical laminations as well as horizontal laminations. Um, and I'm going to use the dreaded F word. They used foam. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, apparently it's a different foam. And I've seen the cutaways and I've skied the ski. I've owned the ski now for I had half of last year. I had one of the early ones last year and then this year. Um, it's a great ski. Marrying up the different types of wood inside that ski with the different, with the way they've put the foam in it and the fact that you've got vertical as well as horizontal laminations. You're taking, you're allowing all of the different components of this ski to work in symmetry to make this ski feel very confident on your foot, still be really light um, and and be really strong. So that's the Pagoda Tourist Ski. Um, a lot of people may not be that familiar with it because COVID screwed everyone over. Um, uh, and that ski that had a kind of a tough release where it was supposed to all be in shops, you know, nice and set to go early. We didn't receive, no one received skis for a long time on that front. So it's new for this year, but a lot of people haven't seen it. So the DPS line is something that has been quite strong for us. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the C2 construction. So the 106, which I don't really like personally, it's not my favorite ski, but that's fine. Um, the C2 is, it's a, it's a hard driving ski. Like I'm a billy goat skier. I'm, I'm a shovel driver. I like kind of skipping around and dancing and I do lots of turns. I, I like that kind of a thing. If I look at a big open slope, I don't think, man, I'm going to slash four turns on this thing at mock chicken and it's going to be so much fun. That's not me. I don't do that. Like I, I, I like turning, but the, the C2 construction of this 106, it's a very directional ski. And if that's your kind of ride, if you're a fast, powerful, strong skier, they love that ski. So, yeah. So DBS has been good for us. And if, if you'd permit me to, the other thing that I would like to say is our crew, we really push them, my guys, I push them on the avalanche safety side of things. Um, and maybe it's because of my, my background of, of what I've done uh, or experiences that I've had. I, you know, everyone home safe every night and um, the people need to know their gear. They need to know how to use it. It's kind of interesting because in the past, we used to be the guys who would try to help teach people how to use a transceiver. But the guiding industry has really grown, which is so good to see because Mm -hmm. they are the instructors. You know, guides, some guides, and we had a guiding business for a long time. We sold it and this new guy's taken it on and done some great things with it, which is really nice to see. But guides, they don't know, they know their gear. They don't know the industry's gear. Uh, but what they do know is the skills of how to use the gear that's on your feet or the use the gear that's in your pack or in your bag or 
how to train your head because the most important safety tool we all have is sitting on our shoulders, right? It's the training that we understand and the decisions that we make. So avalanche safety gear is probably a pretty important thing for our shop. Um, and that goes, you know, everything from shovels and transceivers and probes to the packs and the airbags that people are now using. So those are quite important for us. Um, we've been doing a lot more, well, we are a refill station, so we fill, uh, you know, the Mammut bags now or the BCA bags. Um, we, uh, we do a lot of electrics now as well. Uh, that fan technology is great. Uh, I love the, uh, Jet Force Pro. I think the, the services that that system provides, while yes, it's slightly bigger and a little bit heavier, has some real safety, uh, positive safety applications. So, um, yeah, so I think AVI gear and AVI training is an important thing for all those folks and something that our guys quite enjoy talking about. In terms of sales of AVI packs, are you seeing, you know, is it kind of, I don't know, equally split among three or four different packs? Um, well, we I guess we probably have four or five styles of packs at least five styles of packs in the store. So from BD, there's three packs that they have. Two are electric. One is canister. Uh, Scott has electric bags, which the packs themselves are very nicely done. The Scott E30 and E40 patrol pack Mm -hmm. is a really nice bag. Um, And uh, Mammut, uh, I really like that Pro Protection 35. It's unfortunately, when you see avalanche deaths around here, trauma is is a major impact uh major major contributor to deaths around here so to have an airbag that comes out of the shoulder straps of the pack instead of just out of the pack itself yeah it's not an airbag it's not like a it's not a safety airbag in your car but it does provide some level of protection Uh, so i do like that bag our company our store likes that bag too Mm -hmm. so it's probably the only canister bag we actually sell now everything else is electric Hmm. um and the Jet Force Pro in particular, you know, the fact that I, I, I love the elect, all of the electric bags, it has taken out of the decision, out of the, the decision-making process, should I pull right now yes. or is this just a manageable slough? Yeah. Uh, and if you're in steeper, cool water type terrain, what is a manageable slough right now is absolutely not manageable in half a second later. Just because you've hit something, uh, you've tipped over, it's a narrow funnel that might take you through something into a trap, train trap, or whatever the case is. So no longer with uh, electric bags do you have to decide, do I pull or not? You can just pull. And if you didn't pull it, then haha, you got to buy your buddy a beer in the f- store at the end of the night or something, and that's about it. So I love the muscle memory that does exist by being able to pull like that. Um the thing about the jet force in particular that I'm quite keen on is if you do have a puncture, um, it will be able to keep that air yep. mostly inflated, right? The fan yeah. will continue to run. Uh, what I really like about it is that pulsing that it does because after a slide, there's that yep. quiet of holy shit, what like what just happened and, and people just, you know, it's such a stress situation. Um, it's, and if you can get something that can trigger you to kind of pull you out of this potential stress coma that you're in. And it's that whir of a fan. The snow is a great insulator. So snow can, you know, stifle lots of sound. But if this fan sparks up every 30 or so seconds that it, as it does in the Jet Force Pro, maybe this person is wrapped around a tree 
and you can hear this fan. Hmm. Awesome. I'll take it. Like anything I can get that'll help me is good. So I like that component to it. And then, as you know, after about three minutes, it does deflate the fan, reverses its direction in the Jet Force Pro. It sucks that space in. So now you've got 170 liters space around you. Well, <clears throat> potentially the crush of the snow has been relieved from you. That can be a lifesaver in itself. You have a much greater space not to pull oxygen in because that's not the problem. It's a carbon dioxide buildup mm-hmm. that can happen if you're small spaced. So now you may have more space there. You might be able to wiggle a little bit. That might make a difference. So I, I'm a big fan of that particular pack. I think of that system, I should say. The pack itself, BD needs to continue to evolve that pack. Um, I'm hoping to see more from them in that front. And we've had discussions about it. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But um, but yeah, you know, we've got to be safe. Everyone's got to be safe out there. So yep. yeah. That was a good, good breakdown. And um, n- nice bit of a comparison there among some of the different options currently on the market. So, and, you know, it, in large part, I think in keeping what we have found at blister but it's always Mm -hmm. good to get like here somebody who's selling a lot of these getting feedback you know from a variety of different customers those are data points that we really appreciate here and too and like it's like when are we on the same page with some of our recommended shops and where is there a, a disparity or a disagreement on certain products and that's where i think it's i i love having those conversations and uh think that's pretty valuable well, James, really appreciate the conversation. This has been fun and uh, and and educational. So you know, always good to have have fun and learn stuff. So uh, really Every appreciate the school day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time. And um, and we're obviously big fans of what you guys are doing at Escape Route, and um, encourage people to check it out. Uh, can't wait for the day when more people will be able to be checking it out in person, but certainly, you know, for the time being, uh, escape route.ca, right? Yeah. That's kind of our, that's the, our web link. Yeah. So we kind of work for all of our Canadian crowd up there and we're looking forward to seeing, you know, all of our visitors come back and, uh, yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. So everyone just got to stay safe and stay skiing and riding and having fun in the snow and have a good summer and we'll all be back again in the winter. Exactly. Well, hey, James, thanks again for taking the time and uh, look forward to talking to you the next time. Awesome, Jonathan. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Okay. Well, it's time now for our What We're Celebrating segment. And we're going to keep this brief because I've actually got to hit the road here in just a minute and actually go get a COVID vaccination shot, which I'm really excited about. And I happened to just get notified through the random drawing around here that I was selected to go get this shot. So I think I will celebrate the fact that it seems like many, many people are starting to get the vaccine. And I can sure tell you that if this means that we might start inching closer to this whole COVID thing being behind us, Well, I am definitely celebrating that. And when I get back from getting this shot, I will definitely be raising a glass to the doctors and frontline workers and the scientists who have gotten these vaccines out there and all of the folks who are getting these administered uh, to more and more people around the world. So here's to all of you good folks. 
And that then brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to James for the great conversation. And do be sure to check out escaperoute.ca to check out everything that they've currently got going on in Squamish and in Whistler. Of course, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.